On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. This is Janice. Janice, some of you guys know Janice. Janice is a gift to our church. She's a youth leader. She's an incredible person. She's a creative, and she's a spoken word artist. So this morning, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 4, and I've asked her to do a creative reading of Matthew chapter 4. So everybody, please give a warm welcome to Janice. Well, hear ye, hear ye. Good morning, saints and ain'ts. Well, my name is Janice. I am Babazi, which means God has favor or God has grace or God has mercy. Actually, put all three together. That's what it means. So today's message was brought to you by Mr. Fish, a real fisher of men, I'll say. So that's the best way for me to describe him. And for more information, I refer you to Matthew 4.19. Just as you prepared your heads, shoulders, knees, and toes to come here and listen to the message, I encourage you to prepare your eyes, ears, mind and heart. I know some of you all wanted me to say nose and mouth, but you can bring that as well so you can consume, breathe in, and be blessed by the word that you'll be hearing henceforth, therein, and uh, therefore. Thus, today's reading will be from the book of Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, which says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Afterwards, he was hungry. Now then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones be bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the, word, from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into this holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and he, and then, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up onto an exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. <laughs> Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Thus says the Lord. Take over, Mr. Asher. <laughs> Can we give it up for Janice, everybody? Get over here. I'm going to give you a hug. You're a gift. We appreciate you. This morning, we are going to go into the temptations of Jesus, because we're talking about love, sex, and marriage, and chasing love in a confused culture. And I don't know about you, we live in a confusing time. Anybody else, you're a little confused after the past year and a half of what's going on? Can I tell you this morning, we don't have to be confused, because we have a solid rock in Jesus Christ on which we stand. And so today, we're going to talk about the identity that we have 
in Jesus. But before we get into there, I want to introduce myself a little bit more. Um, I've been here, it's crazy, this November will be two years. Can you believe it, church, that this November will be two years here helping our youth ministries, our kids' ministries. Thank you, you can clap if you want, buddy. <laughs> um, I've been so blessed to be here. Um, my wife and I have been married for six years. You can see a picture here. Um, she is my rock. She was up with the babies last night so I could sleep, and she's amazing. Um, that's my daughter, Maya, who just turned two. And our baby boy, Jude, that was born one month ago this Wednesday. You can see a picture of him. There's Jude. Um, he came out as a toddler, nine pounds, nine ounces. Um, he's already eating us out of house and home and just telling us what to do and bossing us around. Um, so we're super excited about that. Um, but this is my family. And I just want to say thank you so much for just blessing us in the season. Many of the food trains and people that have loved on us. Um, we have an amazing church. So church, I love you. Thank you so much. Um, and so this morning, before we get into our message, um, Pastor Marty is on vacation. Can we pray for our pastor that God would refresh him on this vacation? And also let's pray this morning that we would have our identity in Christ, not in our confused culture. Amen? So let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we pray for grace over Pastor Marty and Pastor Deb. Lord, as they are on vacation, would you refresh them and fill them up? God, thank you for amazing, faithful pastors. So Lord, pour into them. All that they've been pouring out, God, I pray for a double portion. Pour back into them in this season. God, as we look at your word this morning, as we look at the temptations of Jesus, as we go back to Genesis and look at our identity in you, God, would we put our foundation in you, Jesus, and in nothing else? And in Jesus' name they said, amen, amen. You know, the tagline is we live in a confusing culture. Um, in this past season, I don't know about you, has anybody been confused about society? Has anybody been confused about politics, right? Has anybody been confused about what's going on with the racial tensions? And also, what's been going on with the sexual tensions as well? I don't know if you've seen the commercials or seen the things that are going out there, but we're living in a sexually confused time. It, there's so many messages, and I work with our youth, which a shout out to some of our youth and our kids here in this room. I work with our youth, and it's a very confusing time right now. What is truth? But guess what we have? We have the word of God that is our foundation. Um, <laughs> Jesus is our solid rock, and everything else is sinking sand. Amen? And so this morning, I want to talk about identity. What is identity? And I want to give you a picture of that. Um, when you look at skyscrapers, and you'll see some right behind me, um, you'll notice that deep below the skyscrapers are their foundation, and actually it's called a footing. And I actually visited the World Trade Center in uh, 2017, the memorial, and I was here, and this is the original footing at the, the North Tower that goes several stories into the ground. This was the foundation of the building. This is what kept it up. If you notice this next picture, you can see that this is why they do this. This footing goes through the topsoil, the subsoil, and into the bedrock, into the solid rock. And that's how these buildings can stand. And so this morning, I want to say that our identity is that, that footing that goes deep, deep down. Maybe we can't always see it, but it's there. It's something that supports us and keeps us standing when the world is shaking. And right now, is the world shaking? We need to be on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk about what does our identity look like in Jesus, and I'm going to start all the way back in, in Genesis, and we're going to work our way to the temptation. So really quickly, identity answers, who am I? Who am I becoming? And our identity is our starting place. It's the footing of our lives. Everything is built upon your identity. So I want to start with the scripture in Genesis of where our original identity in Christ is, especially in a series about sex, love, and dating. 
Who knows that we have a sexual identity that the Bible puts together, that we don't have to be confused about sex, amen? The Bible is clear, and so this morning I'm going to lay that foundation, uh, that footing for us. So let's look at two verses that start right here in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and in Matthew. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Praise God that we are made in the image of God that we all have value and worth, that God loves us, that we're made in his image, that we get to reflect the goodness of God. Amen? That's our identity. We're God's kids. That's good news this morning. That's how God created us. And so it says here that also God created us to be male and female. See, our, our world is confused about gender right now, but God is not confused about gender. God gave us the framework of what gender is supposed to look like, which is male and female. Let's go here to Matthew 19, 5 through 6. Also, this is repeated in Genesis 2, 24 and Ephesians 5, 32. But this is Jesus saying this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. This is where we get the leave and cleave. Has anybody ever heard of leave and cleave, right? This is be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they, sh- they shall no longer be two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no person is to separate. And again, this is first stated in Genesis 2.24, and then Jesus says it in the Gospels, and then Paul says it in the epistles. And so this is all throughout Scripture. This is what God is saying. God is saying this, that God designed marriage between a man and a woman. There's a sanctity of marriage. And that God designed sex for marriage. It says that the two shall become one, and that is what sex is, and that sex bonds us together. See, the Bible is clear about our sexual identity, but our culture is confused. God made us for relationship, but everything in this world is trying to separate us from the relationships that God has put together. See, in Genesis 1, we know that we were made in the image of God. In Genesis 2, God establishes marriage and relationships. But then we also know Genesis 3 happens, and guess what happens in in chapter 3? Sin enters the world. And what does sin do? It distorts the things of this world. And so our identity since then has been distorted. But hey, I have hope for us. We have Jesus Christ. Jesus came back to live a sinless life and to show us the way back to God. See, our world started in order through God. And that includes our sexual identity. But then sin came in and started to to distort and mess it up. But Jesus shows us the way back back. And so I want to focus on that this morning. I want to answer this question. So the question is, how do we place our identity in Jesus Christ, not in the confusing culture? How do we not fall for the temptations of this world that lead to sin, disorder, distortion, and death? And so I want to go now into the temptations of Jesus and equip us to now stand on the solid rock that we have in Jesus Christ in our identity, which includes our sexuality. Um, I want to uh, also give credit where it's due. Henry Nouwen is an amazing theologian. And Henry Nouwen uh, gave me the original insights of this. Henry Nouwen was a professor at Notre Dame, Yale Divinity School, um, and Harvard Divinity School. Um, And he is a smart man, and so he gave me a lot of the the insights into this next portion of our scripture. Um, And Janice read that, right? The temptations of Jesus. So I want to dive right into that right now. So the first temptation is this, starting verse 3. Now then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But look at what Jesus says. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's the first point if you want to open up your app this morning. This is the first point of the the message is this. We are not defined by what we do. Amen? We are defined by what Christ has done. I am not what I do. 
Praise God that I am not defined by what I do. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross because, hey, I'm just as sinful as anybody else. I, my sexuality, my life is broken just like everybody else, and I need Jesus. Anybody else here in this room? That we're not defined by our past. We're not defined by our desires. We're defined by Jesus Christ and his word. And so this is the temptation for us. I love this is broken down, and Henry Nouwen broke this down. He said this, the temptation to fulfill every need, wish, and desire. Anybody else like to be the, the doer, the, the helper, the servant? I want to make everybody happy. Anybody like to make everybody happy here in this room, right? I need to fulfill every need, wish, and desire. I need to do all the things. But see, this is the enemy's strategy. He wants us to be so busy. He wants us to think that it's all, that, that, that it's about what we can do, not about what he did on the cross. We can get so busy. And one of my mentors when I was younger, he said, Ashton, you're a busybody. <laughs> you think you need to help Jesus, don't you? And I'm like, yes, I do. Sometimes I think I need to help Jesus. Anybody else in this room, you're like, okay, I'm going to help God along with this. I'm going to do this for Jesus. And he's like, no, stop being a busybody. Busy stands for this, being under Satan's yoke. See, that's what the enemy was trying to do. He was trying to busy Jesus, make him perform, make him do all of these things. Jesus, find your worth and identity in the things that you do. Instead of knowing that his identity is found in the Father, that he already loves him and he already sent him to this world to save us. And the same is for you. Our temptation is to be defined by what I can do. But no, we are defined by what Christ has done. I love that the temptation says it's to fulfill every need, wish, and desire. Right now in our culture, desire is taking over whatever we desire, whatever makes me feel good, I'm going to do, right? That's what our culture says. Do you, boo-boo, right? I mean, that's what our culture says. Do whatever makes you feel good. But that's not what the scripture teaches us. It says this in Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. There's a battle going on with our spirit, right? And our flesh. So that you are not to do whatever you want. I feel like I preach this a lot in our youth ministry here at church, right? You are not to do whatever you want. Any parents here in this room, right? You are not to do whatever you want, right? You don't fulfill every desire that you have. Gosh, hormones are real, amen, right? We're constantly helping our teens say, hey, just because you're feeling that way doesn't mean that's who you are. Our feelings don't define us. God defines us. His word defines us. His love for us defines us. So how do we combat this, this doing, this temptation to fulfill every need and wish and desire? Look at what Jesus said. He said, hey, we don't live by bread alone. We don't live by what we do. We live by God's word. And this is what Jesus said. God's word is going to be the final word of my life. I think if we all went and agreed to that today, said, hey, I know what culture's saying, I know all the craziness that's in the world right now, but I'm gonna stand upon God's solid word and his word is gonna be the defining word of my life. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't take the bait from the enemy. Are you guys ready for the next temptation? Matthew 5, or sorry, Matthew 4, 5 uh, and uh, 7 says this. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Verse seven, but look what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. I wanna give you a little context. Why was the devil taking Jesus to Jerusalem and putting him on the temple? Why was this significant? Why was he trying to do this to Jesus? Well, we know 
from scholars, and we know just from the Bible, right, that the temple was the central place of society in that time and the central place for religion. And so if, if Jesus would have went on top of the temple, everybody would have been there, right? People were worshiping 24-7 basically there. And, and, and if Jesus would have jumped down from the temple, imagine what all the people would do. <gasps> wow, look at how amazing Jesus is. He's performing. Look at, it's Jesus's big thing at the Pantages Theater. He's jumping off for everybody and he's proving that he's God and he's doing all these things. And look at how, wow, Jesus is so cool. See, this is the thing that the enemy was trying to do. He was trying to make Jesus live for the, the praises of people. And we struggle with the same thing. Oh my gosh, I struggle with it all the time. I want to please people. Let's look at our second point here in our notes. We are not defined by who people say we are. Amen? Amen. People don't define us. The culture doesn't define us, church. Amen? God defines us. We are defined by who God says we are. And this is the identity statement. I am not who others say I am. I am not who others say I am. A person very close, and I might get a little emotional telling this story, a person very close to me in my life needed the approval of his father. And growing up his whole life, he never had the approval of his dad. He was always trying to impress his dad, and I watched it. He was trying to do all these things for his dad, but he was never good enough for his dad. Does anybody know anybody like this in your life, right? They were always trying to find that approval from a parent or an authority figure. His dad used to call him gay, wussy, weakling, and other derogatory names that, that basically demasculized, uh, demasculized him. And so my friend, even though growing up he had girlfriends and he seemed like he was following God's path for his life, my friend now lives in a homosexual lifestyle. See, what happened was he is now, even to this day, still trying to live for the approval of somebody else. He's looking for that hole in somebody else. He's trying to live for the approval of man. See, we have curses that are on all of us in this world. What people say to us that maybe you won't amount to anything or you're stupid. I know that one was for me. I didn't learn to read till I was in the fifth grade. And so I grew up in special education and I had to have special testing and I was dyslexic. Any other dyslexics here in this room? Oh, sweet. We're standing together in Jesus' name. We're standing together in Jesus' name. I, I, man, I, I struggled in school and I was called stupid and I was held back a grade. And, and that really, and, and those words of what people were saying deeply hurt me as a child. And I'm still to this day going, wait a minute. No, no, I'm not stupid. I, I'm smart in Jesus. <laughs> Now I'm reading scriptures that were written two or 3,000 years ago to an audience of people. God is good, amen? All glory to him. He is good. I'm not defined by, Ashton, you're stupid, or you're this, or you're that. You're not defined by the curses. What curses have people said over your life? Can I tell you, we're not defined by what people say. We're defined by what God says. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue can bring life or death. Those who live, or sorry, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. See, Jesus fought back the devil by reminding him that his approval only came from his father. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not going to live by the curses of others or trying to please other people, you are going to have to say, hey, my identity, my worth, and my value only comes from the father. Every other voice has to bow down to his voice. His voice is the ultimate voice in my life. Have you been defined uh, by, or defined yourself by the approval of others? Or have you been defined by God's approval? The next temptation, Matthew 4, starting in verse 8. Then, then the devil took him up 
on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory, right? He takes him up and shows him everything in the world, all the splendor, all the riches, all the glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and, uh, and him only you shall serve. The, the final temptation, and this is how we can keep our identity in Christ, is this. The third thing is this. We are not defined by what we have. We have everything we need in Jesus. I am not what I have. Growing up in my own life, I would constantly have this narrative. I would say either, man, I have these things, and so that means that I am so awesome, right? I have talents, and I ha- I'm playing guitar, and I'm a, I'm a worship leader. Oh, my gosh. Man, when I was younger, I thought, when I was on the guitar, I was like, I'm playing for the congregation. Look at how awesome I am. Look at my abilities and my skills and how cool I am. But then also in my life, I was constantly limiting myself by what I didn't have. Right? I didn't have the school smarts or I didn't have the the girlfriend or I didn't have the money or I didn't have it. Right? So we're defined by what we have or we don't have. I remember growing up in my church um, there was a homeless man that attended every week. And his name was Keith. And Keith was my buddy. Keith would come in, he would sit in the front row, he'd always come late and he'd be sweating because Keith rode his bike to church. Four miles through the Mojave Desert, he would come to church. If anybody complains about going to church, I just tell my story of Keith, right? So four miles, right, in the sand with a mountain bike coming in on a suit and would sit in the front row and he would cry out for Jesus every week because he needed God so much. Man, do you need God so much? I need God so much. But he would sit there and he was such an example in my life and he was such a person that I looked up to and we had conversations and, you know, he went to the Vietnam War and that messed him up and he never got right after that. And, you know, he was a pastor's kid and he had a calling, but he he just had some things that messed him up. He had some things that deeply wounded his identity. And Keith and I could really relate and we could really talk. Anyways, I left the church and there's some amazing stories. Maybe I'll get to share more about Keith. Um, But I left the church to go to Bible college. And so I went and three years passed by and Keith moved out of his little mobile home that he lived in the desert. And so I couldn't find him. And so for three years, you know how you like have that person, you're like, where are they at? Anybody ever wonder, like, wow, I wonder where that friend is, that person. I just lost touch. And man, I I just wish I could see that person. And so for three years, I was thinking about Keith and I was driving through and then all of a sudden I look over and it's Keith on the side of the road, 30 miles away from where we were originally were at. And he's collecting cans. And so I'm like a kid in a candy store, right? I'm like, I pull over. I'm like, Keith, what's going on? Keith, how are you? He's like, man, life's been hard. But Keith said something there that changed my life and it's relevant for this temptation. He looked at me and he said this thing. He said, Ashton, everything Jesus has, you have. You are enough. And here's this homeless person that literally doesn't have anything that collects cans, but he had this profound truth that we have everything we need in Jesus. That everything else in this world is going to fall away, right? All of our possessions, the lie of he who has the most toys wins, that's a lie, right? We're not taking it with us. I always like to look back at King Tut, right? You know, over in Egypt. You're like, yep, we're still, nope, it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't go your way, did it, right? We're now getting all of your riches, right? You're this mummy years later and all your gold and riches that you put inside this, this tomb is now on display for all of us. Yep, it didn't work out. And it's still the same for us today. If we're putting our life into riches or the things that we have, 
then we're going to be disappointed. This is the temptation, and here is the temptation I want to break down for you from Henry now, and he says this. This is the temptation to be in control and to have personal power. We love to be in control. Any other control freaks in this room? Raise your hand if you're a control freak. It's okay. It's a support group on a Sunday. I like to be in control. Anybody else like to have power over things, right? You like to have power. You like to be the boss. Anybody else here in this room? I know it's really hard for me. I'm like in a room, in a meeting, and someone's leading it, and I'm like, man, I, I would lead it differently. And I'm like, wait a minute, Ashton, stop being a control freak. Stop being a power. It's like, submit to everybody else. What am I doing? I'm not leading the meeting. Anybody else have this problem? All right. We are control freaks. We like to be in power of our lives. But what if we really understood that, wait a minute, I don't have power. It's his power that controls my life that it's not about the possessions that I have or the abilities that I have. Wait a minute, where did all those possessions and abilities come from? Oh yeah, that's right, God. This is all of his things, right? And that's biblical stewardship. I'm not saying, hey, you know, things are bad. No, let's steward the things that we have well. That's what God told us back in Genesis, right? Take the world and subdue it. Make this world awesome. Steward the, wor- the world well. But don't live for your own personal power and control because the reality is God is sovereign. Didn't Pastor Marty talk about that? Uh, this last couple of weeks, right, that we have a sovereign God, that we're not in control. He's the one that created the, the universe, and we should probably find our place under who God is. Amen? He is the one that's in control. Have you defined yourself this morning by the things that you have or don't have? Is Jesus truly enough for you right now? Is, is your identity complete in him? Here's the sobering truth. In 100 years from now, and this is really weird. I had to like read this and like practice it. In 2,121, <laughs> that's just weird, right? Like we're, none of us are going to utter that probably in this room, right? 2,121, 100 years from now, everything that we've done will mostly be forgotten. People won't be talking about all of your accomplishments and all the amazing things that you did. And then all of your possessions are going to be given to somebody else. Isn't that a sobering thought 100 years from now? But our identity in Christ and what we did to build his kingdom here on the earth and the word, of the word of God that doesn't return void, that will last forever. And the people and the relationships that we built for his kingdom are going to last forever. So this morning, as I conclude, let me remind you who you are in Christ today, amen? Let's look at our identity that's in him through his word. You are the head and not the tail, Deuteronomy 28, 13. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 14. You are a new creation and person, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are God's workmanship created to do good things, Ephesians 2, 20. You are God's hands and feet on mission to the world, Acts 1, 8. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. You are adopted into God's family, Ephesians 1, 5. You are bought at a price and redeemed redeemed by Christ, 1 Corinthians 6.20. You are a child of God that is fully wanted and accepted by the Father, Galatians 3.26. You are a friend of God, John 15.15, and you are the beloved of God, Romans 9.25. Our identity is sure in Christ, yes and amen. Come on, can we give God some praise this morning? That's who we are. And in a confused culture, in a confused time, we need to, as the church, say, hey, no, I'm putting my roots, I'm putting my footing in the solid rock of Jesus. And so this morning, as I conclude, as we go into a time of worship, I want us to look at those three temptations, because I think they're so relevant. I know they've been relevant for me, but I I want you to look at your own heart right now for a minute. Are you being defined by what you do? Have you done some things in the past that, you, that, have, that have defined you, that you haven't given over to Jesus? Can I tell you that Jesus paid for those things on the cross 
Stop paying for them yourself. He already paid for those things that you've done. We don't have to be busy bodies. I love this saying, we're not human doings, we're human beings, right? God has called us to be with him. Are you being defined by what people say about you? Are you living through the, the, the praise and the applause of other people? Anybody else struggle with this one? I know I do, right? I live for that praise sometimes. I'm like, I, wanna, I want people to look at me. I want to be special. Even this morning, as I was preparing this message, I was like, wait a minute, Ashton. No, it's not about you looking good. It's about Jesus looking good. It's not about how good I preach. It's about if God's word goes forth. Amen, right? It's about him. But why is our natural tendency to go, oh, I hope I do really well, right? I hope it's all about me. Thank God it's not all about me. It's about Jesus, Maybe some of you here, you're limited by what you have or you don't have. You have this condition or you don't have this possession or you don't have this relationship. Can I tell you, you have everything that you need in Jesus today. So as we close, can we just bow our heads? Can we put our Bible? Can we put our things aside? I want us to respond to the Lord this morning because I know that we've been shaken in this time, that our foundations in our country and our world in our culture, it has been a shaking time for us. There's been so much confusion. And can I tell you that church, we have a God and we have his word that we can stand on, that we don't have to live in confusion anymore. That your identity can be found in Jesus. And as we're talking about love, sex, and relationships, that your sexual identity can be found in Jesus. That he defines who we are. That yes, Jesus is truly the Lord of our life. He's the master of my life. He's the master of your life. And so this morning, I want to do two calls for you. Some here, you've done some things that you're not proud of. You've been defined by the things that you've done and you've sinned. And guess what? We've all sinned. But you don't need to carry that sin and guilt and distortion of your identity anymore. You are defined by what Jesus has done on the cross. Your identity is in Jesus Christ who brings you back into relationship with God. And so this morning the Bible says this. If you would repent, if you would say, God, I'm going to repent. That means turn. I'm going to turn back to you. I'm going to place my identity back in you, Jesus. I'm going to take it out of my hands and I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm putting my life back in your hands. I'm going to stand on your rock. I'm not standing on the sinking sand of our culture anymore. I'm going to stand on your rock rock. If that's you this morning saying, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need to recommit. I need to get saved. I need to repent and turn my life to Jesus. I've been living in a false identity. Would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here this morning that you would say that? Amen. God is good. I see you. I see your heart. I see that heart as well. And more importantly, God sees your heart. Anybody else? I see a couple more hands that are raising up that are saying, hey, I need to put my identity back into Jesus. The next thing is this. Some of you here, you've been living by uh, the approval of other people. Some of you here this morning, you have curses that people have spoken over you. And the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me about this this morning, that you've had lies of, of things that people have said, that you're not good enough, or, or you're this, or you're that. Can I tell you this morning, you don't have to live in that curse anymore that God defines who you are. And so if there's a wound in your heart, and I know this is, a, this is a very vulnerable place, and so again, every head bowed and eye closed, this is just between Jesus and us right now in this moment. If you've been living in a curse, if you've been living by the words of another person and not God's words, and that has deeply hurt you, and you need God to heal your heart right now, would you raise your hand? I see a bunch of hands raising up throughout this room right now saying, hey, I've been living by the hurt of somebody else that cursed me. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ breaks the curse. That's what he did on the cross for you. Every curse, every sin on the cross was erased through Jesus Christ. 
And so that doesn't define you more. Those words fall to Jesus's words. And so God, right now, I pray for these two groups of people, these people that are saying, Jesus, I'm putting my identity back into you. God, I'm not on the sinking sand anymore. Jesus, I'm putting my foundation in you. I'm repenting. I'm turning back to you. I'm looking at my life the way that you see me now. Lord, I pray that you would come into their hearts. God, I pray that they would believe right now that you died, that you rose again. And that means that when you died, Jesus, all of their sin, all of their hurts, all of their false identities died with you on the cross. And then when they rose again, they can have new life as a son and daughter in Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for that second group that maybe has that wound or that thing, that curse that's been spoken over them. God, right now in this room, by the authority of Jesus, not my words, like the scripture says, whatever we bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. God, we pray for those curses to fall off your people here in this room. Right now, by the power of Jesus, Lord, that we are not defined by the curses of man and of the devil. We are defined by your love here this morning, that you are enough, that you're a child, that you're loved, that you're smart, that you're beautiful. So God, we thank you that your word defines us here this morning. God, we come to you humbled, humbled this morning that you would choose us, that we would be made in your image. God, align us back to you. Lord, when the world is shaking, remind us that you're not. Lord, we thank you for your truth this morning. Let us be a people that are found in Jesus Christ. Our identity is in you. In Jesus' name, they all said, amen, amen, amen. amen.